Hello, hello, y'all. Welcome back to Get Curious. My name is Ashlyn, and I'm so glad to have you here listening. This is going to be episode six, and I've gotten a few questions that I'm going to continue to answer, um, one of which... The question is, how many times have I been to rehab? And to answer that question, I've been to rehab two times, inpatient rehab two times. And coincidentally, um, they were both in the same year in 2016, Um, I think I've said on here before that 2016 was a big year for me. Uh, yeah, it, it really, really was. So 2016, I had the gift of rehab donated to me by the state of Florida. So... Unfortunately, unfortunately, at the same time, because I believe that this intervention is what started the ball rolling for me waking up out of like my drug induced spell or coma. Like it was literally like a spell. Now that I'm so spiritual, when I look back, being a drug addict and just putting the drug before your own like survival needs like I would go without eating just so I would have money for my next fix so when I went to rehab it was definitely like when DCF stepped in and I had a case plan for my youngest um, daughter at the time it was a blessing in disguise obviously I didn't know that at the time, but I do remember feeling some sort of relief, actually, when this did happen. So, yes, like a lot of drug addicts who have children, I had a case plan in 2016, and they were able to get me into a rehab here in the town that I live in. I was able to go to this place called the Friary and it was an inpatient rehab treatment center and you're there for 30 days. Of course, I had to detox while I was there. So for the first couple days, I was coming off of heroin and they give you, um, they gave me Suboxone or Subutex I remember, and it really wasn't that bad. Like, I was honestly relieved. I can literally remember it and feel it as I am speaking about it. And it's in Pensacola Beach, or excuse me, Gulf Breeze. Um, So it's right on the water, and it actually used to be a monastery, is what I heard when I was living there for the 30 days and doing the treatment center. Um, Wow, just so much emotion comes up. I haven't really let myself go back 
there because I failed after I left and I think it still haunts me that I did that. I mean, even though I have been sober for almost seven years, it's been almost seven years since I was a patient at the Friary. However, I still feel everything so fresh. Um, so yes, my first couple days in there, you are in a detox room. So when you first come into the rehab, you don't have as many privileges as you do when you're, you know, like three, four weeks sober. So my first couple days, you know, you're in like the detox wing of the recovery center and there's like professional really good cooks there it's there's good vibes like and I remember my very first day I was sitting by myself and these two people came over and they were not in the detox center but they came over and they were it was a guy and a girl and they sat down with me and they were just like hey hey how you doing hey girl what's your name like we're really opened like we're not gonna let you just sit here all by your fucking self while you're struggling and that's one thing that I really learned quick is how open-hearted genuine and just incredible addicts even like in addiction out of addiction like addicts are really cool people and they're just suppressing a lot so anyways they sit down and you know, I think it was his second time being there and her like fourth or fifth time. And they were just being so funny and they seemed free. You know, they had been there like a little bit longer than I had. Not too much longer, but a little bit. And I just saw the life in them. And I remember just feeling their energy. I didn't know it at the time, but I felt their energy and apparently they felt mine too and came and sat with me and it's just really, really cool. Um, anyways, so great icebreaker right away when you get to rehab to already have like be validated for like, it's okay. I fucked up too. Um, so after breakfast that day, you I mean you dive right in with meeting with your counselor, talking about your addiction and why you think you have it. You also are allowed bits of like free time during the day. So there's options to walk out on the dock, to go fly a kite to do a bunch of stuff to like basically little kid privileges you know go play outside if you don't want to sit in your room anymore um there were also group meetings we would have meetings at the facility so people would come in and teach the meeting like a aa or a na person and then also, oh, I can just feel so much emotion and so much pain, like wanting to come out and wanting to be released um, as I'm even remembering it and talking about it. Because I can remember one of my first times ever meditating. So at this place, the Friary, they actually have a temple. They have a church. 
and you have to take your shoes off before you go in, you know, no food allowed in. It was called the chapel. And I could just feel the energy. I didn't realize it, but I was, you know, because back then I didn't know that I was a medium. I knew that I could feel energy and I resonated with being an empath, but I never put two and two together. So I can remember meditating for the first couple times and I really, really liked it. It was so liberating and freeing and then you know I got scared and I didn't know how to talk back to my ego and how to talk back to my limiting beliefs as much as I know how to now so it was like sometimes meditation would make me feel worse because after years of suppressing and keeping and blocking it all out to actually hear it for a second is like, whoa, 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 whoa. So this is like August, 2016. And another question that I got asked is, are there drugs inside of rehab? And the answer to that is yes, there were some people who brought in drugs And did them at the rehab, you know, and I have to keep it 100% vulnerable and I relapsed too while I was staying there. After about four or five days, I begged and pleaded for someone to bring me the drugs and they did. I walked out in the middle of the night because it's like an open, you're not locked in your room. This place is very luxury like it's very it's a really nice place and it's really expensive that's why I said I was gifted the ability to go there because otherwise I don't think I could I know that I could not have afforded like a 30 40 50 grand rehab stay so after a couple days I I did cave in for whatever reason And someone did drop it off to me. And I remember I walked out there and got it because they had to bring me, you know, my, my preferred method of using heroin was intravenously. Like I wanted to shoot up. So whoever, like, it's a very hard process. If you can imagine to not only get the drugs brought up there, but then also get a rig, get a needle get one of those things so and then make sure it's clean and all of that um that's a whole nother like pit of shame that we can dive into is once you go from snorting pills taking pills snorting heroin to shooting up it happened so quickly and you like don't even just realize how quickly it happens. Like you swear the whole time that that'll never be you. And then you give in so quickly. It's just, it's a real mind fuck. Um, Grateful to have overcome that because I remember hearing a lot of people say that they weren't even addicted to the heroin. They were addicted to the needle. 
I never said that out loud, but psychologically and in all the other ways, I can absolutely resonate with that. And since I have been in recovery, I I have, <clears throat> this is heavy shit. I never expected to be talking about any of this. However, if it helps one person or if it gives insight just for one person, then that's who I am doing it for. I feel like a lump in my throat and in my heart right now. And I feel like my heart and my head are like arguing because I feel like I don't want to be perceived a certain way. But really, people are going to think what they want to think no matter what. And it's okay to share your story and be vulnerable because that's exactly what someone needs. So, yeah, like I was saying about getting tattoos. So, I'm all about like changing the narrative, changing perspectives, a paradigm shift pivoting okay those big terms I'm all about that because I've had so many paradigm shifts in the past couple years basically since I decided to not shoot up drugs anymore it was like oh my god all these things started coming back to me and I'm still detangling it (laughs) um so like I was saying again about tattooing I've had to reframe my mind around the needle because when I go get a tattoo I will pray beforehand and I'll set intentions that like yes this is gonna hurt however I am going to use this as a portal and as a way to let go of shame around etc etc or I am going to use this as a way to let go of pain in general so that's one way I've changed the perspective with my relationship with needles and then another one is so when I go get blood work done or any yeah anytime I need to have blood work done um you know how you normally get your blood taken right there in in your arm at that normal part well I in your forearm you know like the uh the crease um those veins for me are like not any good they're all calloused up underneath the skin because of scar tissue of me sticking a needle in and out for a couple years so that builds up scar tissue and I already didn't have like the greatest veins right there anyways you know because and then abusing them like on top of that um so I usually have to get blood taken in my hand or sometimes even in my wrist now I used to shoot up in my wrist as well um those were about the only two places that I would go would be like my hand my wrist or um, my forearms. So when I first became clean and I'm like realizing all these 
things and becoming more self-aware, getting back into society. When I would go into the hospital, I would immediately tell the person who's taking my blood, like, hey, it's, it might be a little bit difficult right here because of, you know, my past. And I would tell them. And a lot of them were like, oh, my God, holy shit. And I remember being embarrassed and being shameful. But I also am like, hey, like, I'm trying to help you. I don't want to get poked. I didn't say this to them. But in my head, I'm telling them because I feel like that would be the right thing to do. Because if you're going to try to get blood out of my forearms, you're not going to be able to. And I mean, I don't, at least I don't think they always haven't been able to, they would stick me to, Oh, I'm just going to try. Let me just try. And you're like in your head, knowing that this is not going to work and I'm about to just get poked and triggered and whatever else. So most recently, like eight, eight or nine months ago, I had to have surgery Um, I was in a car accident and I had to have a disc replacement in my neck. And so when I was getting ready to have surgery and the person taking my blood asked, like she was getting ready to do it. I didn't even tell her why I was just like, Hey, like it's usually really difficult right here. Um, you can just start off with going in my hand. I usually have the best luck there. No problem. She did it. No questions asked. And of course, the truth serum in me wanted to just come out and like tell her why. And, you know, the oversharer, the oversharer, you know, trying to control the narrative of what other people might think about me. But at this point, less is more for me. And I just I tell them, don't go right there. Go here in my hand. However, I don't, um, I don't dive into why, like I keep that kind of to myself and it's okay that at first I wanted to tell anybody and everybody that was listening that I used to shoot up heroin, um, because that was how I needed to heal for the first couple years was to talk about it to strangers. But over, the, you know, like just bringing it up in everyday conversation when someone seems like they're having a hard time. Um, over the years, I have learned about energy leaks and I've learned about giving away your power. And I don't share with people as much anymore, like as I used to, because I can read people more now and I know who exactly needs to know and who's going to use it as, you know, fuel to hate me or judge me and not look at themselves deep down. Because if you're on a spiritual path and if you, um, excuse me, drinking a little bit of coffee this morning, so... If you know anything about self-awareness, then you've probably learned by now that like nine times out of ten, when you judge someone for something, it's because you're really judging yourself for it. You may not be able to see that right away, but 
internally you're not accepting them and you're like putting all the pressure on a outside person like oh my god why would she wear that what does she look like why is her hair like that why did he talk to her like that or oh my god she can't handle her kids her kids walk all over her well that is actually a internal reflection of exactly what's going on in in your life um parenting is a great one to use as an example so if you and your kid are getting into it and your kid gets like loud and starts yelling or something and if you immediately react and you know gut instinct which is a lot of our instincts to do it it's generational trauma um if your immediate reaction when your child is yelling at you is stop yelling at me if your immediate reaction is to yell back and basically be a hypocrite and be like stop yelling at me and if you truly believe that you're allowed to yell and scream at your child and your child is not allowed to yell and scream back and mirror your behavior then I really deeply encourage you to do a lot of shadow work and realize that it's not your child who's out of control it's you and your child is very dysregulated you're dysregulated and the whole point of being a parent is like teaching your child how to do things for themselves um how to teach your child how to take care of themselves um but yeah that was a big one for me like when i realized i was yelling at my daughter and saying stop yelling at me like yelling i really had to learn how to reel it back in and i started to resonate with conscious parenting more and that's what got me awake to a lot of my bullshit a lot of my own cycles and a lot of the habits and just things that I was doing like I I don't know it's it's just very interesting parenting um is this whole huge world and Everybody's so sensitive about it, myself included. Um, I get so triggered when people try to tell me how to parent. Like, if my kid's acting up, I say acting up. I don't even like to term it like that. So, let's try again. Um, If my kid is having a hard time and an adult around me or somebody around me is like, oh my god, you need to give that kid a spanking. It triggers the fuck out of me. So it's like, that kid's over there having a hard time and I'm I'm conditioned and I'm programmed. I'm supposed to want to go inflict more fear, pain, hurt. I, I, I don't resonate with it anymore. It's not... Since like 2019, 2020, I've been on a conscious parenting journey because I realized that it's not so much about fixing my kid, it's fixing mom. It's fixing the way that I react and the way that I show up. Um, Our children are our biggest guides they're our biggest spiritual guides and they will mirror that energy back to you they will mirror your attitude I mean I know you've heard it you know like 
the mom having the or the daughter having the exact same attitude as the mom like oh of course you know people are like where do you think she gets it from that's generational trauma that is generational cycles um so yes that was a big one for me when I was like I can't be a hypocrite like and also shifting from fear-based parenting you know which is like get up off the floor right now or I'm going to spank you like ew gross I don't want to have that type of I don't want to get that riled up like no one's about to have that much power over me you cannot control your children I think like the false narrative that is being written around parenting and being like played out about like moms and dads needing to control their children you can't do that not at all because they will question your authority and they will test your limits and test your authority so so much that the only way for me is being spiritual and conscious and like being like hey I see you're really upset right now we really need to go though so it'd be really cool if you could put your shoes on please like hey come on like get your shoes you know just trying to take control of the energy because yes you are the older one and you do want to persuade them but like to get their freaking shoes on and go out the door but you don't want to gaslight them from what they're feeling and like downplay that they're having a meltdown and having a hard time and might might be hard to get their shoes on you know sometimes I don't want to put my shoes on and I don't want to get out of bed and do things so obviously my children are going to feel the same way or you know children in general so I think that's a really good place for people to start if you are concerned about how you feel like you are turning into someone that you don't even know if if you have children like I highly encourage you to study the relationship that you have with your children try to be present as much as possible with your child because that creates these like moments of genuine deep connection a quote that like really really resonates for me like when it comes to disciplining my children or you know getting on to them whatever you want to call it I try to look at it as connection over the correction and what that means essentially is like if your kid is doing something that you don't approve of instead of being like stop that right now what are you doing like oh you're always getting into something why can't you just be still or why can't you be more like your sister oh that's terrible saying that but it happens like these are things that we were told when we were kids and it plays out in a cycle until we wake up and we're like hey I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk like that I'm not gonna bleed all over my children when they didn't cut me so 
The connection over correction is connecting with your child in that moment. So when you, when your child's doing something and you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? That's not connection. That's like the absolute polar opposite. And that's going to make them feel so bad. And when you feel bad, you're going to, when you got bad energy in you and you got to release it, you're going to act bad or don't really like that word, but you know what I'm saying here with like, you're going to act quote unquote bad if you're feeling bad. So the connection over correction is instead of reacting like that, you connect like, whoa, hey, I know you haven't been outside all day. Let's take a step back. You shouldn't have thrown that. Whoa, we know that that is not cool throwing things. That is absolutely not okay. Let's step back. Let's go pick that up. Let's go pick that mess up that you made. You were having fun, but you know I don't let you play with those things. Like, whew. And then you can even throw in there, like, mommy's having a hard time uh, digesting what you just did because not because it's about you because it's about me and I need to take a step back and take a few deep breaths mommy's having a hard time I am proud as fuck to say that I am now at a point where I can verbalize to my children mommy's having a really hard time right now I need a minute like but hold on I'll step away take a moment and hopefully be able to come out of it. Um, I understand realistically we can't always step away like that. Um, This is where like meditation, breath work, tapping. I love emotional freedom technique, EFT. I think that's what it's called. Um, I love it. You just tap on certain pressure points all over your body to help you stay in the moment. And um, a lot of the triggers in parenting come from PTSD or CPTSD, whatever complex. Um, I think a lot of people have complex trauma, not just the people that you would assume that have PTSD um it's a lot of the population gets it from generational trauma honestly from being whooped and beat by their parents probably and not being able to show up authentically like as you are to your parents um it really does a number on on human beings when There's so much dysregulation and dysfunction in the family unit, in the family home. And then the child grows up and they have no idea who they are. And so since they have no idea who they are, they're either going to continue to play the same tape that was given to them They're going to continue to run with the narrative that was given to them by their parents or their caretakers or whoever, and they're going to keep replaying the cycle or they're going to wake up. And I have said this 
before, but I'm I'm so grateful for my drug addiction. Like even the worst parts and the worst things that I went through because it made me it humbled me so much and it also <clears throat> Just made me such a better person all around and like after going through that and getting to know myself so much more intimately. um, I am my best friend. I am my own hero. And I am the person who I am like the most ready and willing to like go do it for and go get it for. Obviously, my children are the biggest motivating factor on top of that. Um, And since I am a conscious spiritual parent, I look at my children. I can't look at my children without thinking that's me at seven years old. That's me at 12 years old that needs love and support. That's me. You know, I can't help but look at them and think about little Ashlyn. And I also encourage you to do that if you're having a hard time connecting with your kid like we all do or you're having a hard time like just overall, I really encourage you to do inner child healing because once we start connecting with our inner child, we want to make our children's life so much more magical and we understand the magicalness of what it is to be a child and to have the ability and the the love of life still in you I look at my children all the time and I just like suck it up that energy that they have that's like so fierce and abundant and loving life like they love it my son when he plays with his batman like he's just having such a good time and i love to watch him and also i love to play with him with his little batman and have so much fun like it's so inner child healing for me i can't believe he's about to start pre-k in a couple like in August when school goes back. I'm also very excited to get back into a big routine of like getting out there and working and having my permanent jewelry business take off because if you don't know me from like Facebook or Instagram or anything, then you might not know that I have opened another business. So I have my mediumship business where I do spiritual healing and mediumship readings. And I've just ventured out into the permanent jewelry world. And I'm just so lit up literally about being a micro welder and learning and putting these beautiful bracelets on people. So Permanent jewelry was like a yes for me immediately because of the connection and meeting people and getting to put something on them with such intention. Because I had a phone call. I got cut off. I'm sorry. So I was saying that's why I named my business Intentionally Sparked because I just know that when I'm sitting with this person, I know I'm going to feel spirit so, so much. And I know that 
I would be able to give them a reading or be able to, you know, just talk with them or sit with them. And of course, with their permission, you know, I'd be like, hey, your grandma's here. She wants to tell you blah, 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 blah. However, I'm not going to just give it to somebody unless they're asking for it. Always want to ask permission. Like that's one of the big things about being a medium that works with ethics is you want to not just like approach random people and be like, hey, oh my God, this is happening. Your mom, you need to ask permission. Like, hey, can I come to you with what I have? Like, hey, there's a female spirit and they're in like a red dress, something about like a big prom or dance picture. You know, of course, you wouldn't go into all that first, maybe, but you'd just be like, because I don't really approach people. People come to me, um, of course, like when I'm with like my friends or with people at retreats or at meetings and stuff, I do feel their loved ones a lot. And if they ask, then of course, I'm going to tell them. Um, I also like to tell people that if we're friends and you want to get a reading with me just do it like do it quickly like if we become friends because I make a lot of really cool women friends and all that in the community and if we're gonna like hang out on a daily basis I need to do that reading for you not on a daily basis but you know if you're gonna be one of my girls that we like go get coffee or go to the beach or take the kids to the park if you want a reading from me please ask at the beginning ask me like when we first so it's really like an icebreaker and so it's a blind reading you know don't ask me after we've been hanging out for a little bit with the kids and after we've done a few things because I'm not going to be able to give it to you. I don't want to anymore. You know, I know you, I know you, I know you too well now and all that time you, you should have asked before, you know, so it just makes me wonder why not ask before. Um, but that doesn't happen to me. I thank goodness. So what happens is I do readings for badass women or, someone's like drawn to me and they haven't booked with me yet you know um but I'll do a reading for somebody so they start off as a client and then they become one of my best friends I have so many girlfriends right now that are clients and guess what if they have a business that I'm interested in I'm their client like I jump quick One of my favorite readings was I was doing some spiritual guidance for someone and she tells me that her occupation, she tells me that she's a tattoo artist and I was lit the fuck up because I'm like, oh my God, you're a woman. I've never had a tattoo by a woman. That is so awesome. And for two, like I, I know, I trust you. Like this is going to make the tattoo like such a great experience. So, and I talk to her like every week. I love her. She's tattooed me. She will be my tattoo artist for the rest of forever. You know, she, it's just incredible how little things like that can happen. Same thing with like, um, a nutritionist. One of my clients is a nutritionist and she 
sends me stuff all the time and in return I send her stuff you know like free of charge it's not always about money like don't get me wrong I love making money Uh, especially since I haven't always had it and especially since when I used to have $20 the first thing that it went to was a point of heroin and I couldn't I thought I couldn't survive without it. So I love money and I love the fact that I've been able to reframe my money mentality. Like my fear around money and my fear to have it and to spend it and my ability to trust the fact that it's always going to come back and it's going to multiply when you give it the ability to. So... As I was kind of just saying, like, it's not always about the money. Sometimes it can be about the support, the community, the good vibes and the energy. And, yeah, I just love my clients so much. And I love being a a client, too. It's just so incredible. Um, So those were the two questions that I was going to answer today on the podcast. How many times... Have I been to rehab? So I answered that because, well, sort of. Like, the first time was the friary where I just talked about. And then the second time that I went to rehab was the Department of Corrections rehab. Like, in jail, basically. So, big, huge difference between a huge, like, five-star resort where we're doing meditation and eating these, like, vegan organic meals and juices with mint in them to going to jail. But it was exactly what I needed to see that huge perspective and to be able to feel the denseness of how, like, dense... And when I say dense, I mean it, like, the density of... The low vibration of being a drug addict. Because it is such a low vibe. It sucks. It's terrible to feel like the scum of the earth. And to have all of that on you. And that's the reason why drug addicts keep up the cycle. Because a lot of the stigma and the stories that they tell themselves about how it's not going to work out for them because I used to tell myself that so So with that being said my son just walked in here he is done entertaining himself with Legos and with self-play so I'm gonna have to end this episode like I was saying about the Department of Corrections Rehab if you've listened to episodes one and two mommy has mugshots then you know you've got an idea of how the department of corrections rehab was for me and I can share more about that if you have any questions um you can write me on facebook my facebook name is ashlyn martin you can find me on instagram at medium ashlyn and then I am on tiktok as well as medium Ashlyn and I hope everyone has a beautiful day and I just want you to know that you can overcome whatever it is that is going on for you 
you have the ability to be courageous and overcome it. And I love you all. Bye.